Hello, my friends. It's Ryan from the Prolific Creator Podcast. Now, many of you have asked, hey, Ryan, how do I support the show? Well, I finally listened. Starting today, you can subscribe to the Prolific Creator Plus on ACAST Plus for $3 a month. That's less than a cup of coffee. No apps to download and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Get access to the entire archive of Prolific Creator Awesomeness. Over 160 episodes going back to 2017. Yes, that's right, my friends. A plethora of information and inspiration, tips, tricks, and interviews to get your art and work into the world. Remember those ads? Say bye, bye, bye. Wait, there's more. For $5 a month, you can get access to the full prolific creator experience. This includes the full archives, early access to episodes, listener Q&A, book and movie reviews, and interviews not for the public, and perhaps any other awesomeness I might do on the microphone. Sounds awesome, right? Yeah, it does, Ryan. If you want to listen for free, you'll notice the last 50 episodes or so will always be available wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, by subscribing today, you don't have to download any new apps, and you can simply keep listening on the podcast platform you prefer. Cool. Okay. Cool. Thanks for your love and support in advance. Simply click on the link in the show notes or on my website, and it'll take you where you need to go. Now on to the show. The Prolific Writer Podcast, episode number 74. Matthew W. Quinn stops by the show to talk about selling books in person. Yeah, that's right. But first, some intro music. Welcome to the Prolific Writer Podcast, where speed's the name of the game. Follow an indie author and publisher and his guests as they share inspiration, tips, and advice on writing fast, writing often, and writing well. So you can do the same. Here's Ryan. Well, hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Prolific Writer Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan J. Pelton. And however you found us, however you are hearing me right now in your earbuds, in your headphones, in your noise canceling, whatever, if you're washing the car, washing the car, really, if you're taking care of the kids, doing the laundry on the commute, on the train, on the plane, wherever you are, rowing a boat, I don't know, flying a kite, Wherever you are listening to this show, I'm so glad that you are here. The podcast dedicated to helping motivated writers get unstuck and make an impact with their words and build maybe a business with their art. And that's a good thing. Uh, maybe that's you. Maybe you're just starting. Maybe you're got one book in the, in the world. Maybe you've got no books in the world. Maybe you're a blogger. Maybe you're a aspiring writer, whatever that means. But wherever you are on the journey, this podcast is going to help you and serve you well. I know it will uh, to help you get unstuck wherever you are. And today we have another great episode I should say another great interview with Matthew W. Quinn, and and I'm going to have a good time sharing this interview with you because of one particular point where we we talk quite a bit about this. We talk about a lot of things, but the one thing that stuck out to me was Matthew talked a lot about how he sells books in person and how he goes to conferences and, uh, and he gives a little insight into how to get into bookstores and do some book selling and book signings and things. And I think you're going to find that really fascinating because I think in our day of online, everything and selling online is that we forget as 
writers, as authors, as creator, creators and creatives, that there is a physical space. There is a place for selling physical books. We, we have print books and we actually can get them into the world, into the hands of readers and meeting people face to face. And I have quite a few author friends that go to a lot of conferences and buy, uh, some stacks of books and take them with them and sell them and, and make, make some good money doing that. And it's just another way to build your audience, to, to build your brand, to build, you know, your message and share your message with the world. And, and, uh, and sometimes we forget that we think everything needs to be, you know, online and, and on, on our websites and Amazon and all that, which are good, obviously, but we're going to have a great conversation about that and talk about a lot of things. Uh, Matthew Quinn, great guy, genre hopper, writing all kinds of stuff. We'll get into his story in just a moment. And I just want to just update you on a couple of things. Uh, first, just thank you as always for the kind, uh, reviews and, um, messages and, uh, and all the goodness that, uh, makes this show possible. And I really am thankful and thankful I get to do this and hopefully it serves you wherever you are in your writing journey. And, uh, it's such a privilege to do this. And I wanted to also let you know, um, you may have heard about this. I, I didn't mention it last episode, but if you are part of the email list, um, or if you're part of, uh, follow me on social media is I created a survey, um, that I will put in the show notes and I'm doing some research, uh, related to writing and publishing. And I'm trying to get a, just a, a feel for where you are at in your writing journey and, uh, what your needs are. And, uh, been thinking about some ideas of ways I can serve the writing community and, and maybe more tangible, helpful ways. And, uh, and I want to thank everyone for, uh, for taking the survey and I'm going to share some of that data, not this episode, but probably next episode of what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing from the writing community. And, and I, I interviewed and surveyed a bunch of people uh, from people that don't even have a book out yet, uh, don't have anything in the world, um, to those who have multiple books, and kind of what are the the missing pieces of how do we, you know, write better, faster? How do we find time? How do we market? How do we do all those things? And so I'm doing a little research and love your feedback. Um, and so check out the show notes. Um, if you follow me on uh, Twitter or Facebook. You might see the the survey floating around. I would, I would love for you to take that survey. It only takes about two minutes, two minutes. That's all you got two minutes, people. I think you got two minutes. Can you give me two minutes of your time? It really helped me um, get, just get some feedback. And so that we can serve you even better with this show and, uh, and create content and resources uh, to help you. And it's going to just help me and, and help you and help all the people that are involved in this community. So check out the survey. Um, really excited. Got uh, my second uh, children's uh, middle grade novel coming out very quickly here. The cover designer is kind of working on the finishing touches. It's all edited. It's ready to go. Just need to get that cover uh, nice and pretty. And so I'm going to be uh, getting that out into the world. Another Ricky Rayburn book action adventure. It's going to be a, a good time. And so be, be looking for that as well. And, uh, and so without further ado, I would like to get to the interview with Matthew W. Quinn. Well, welcome everyone to the Prolific Writer Podcast. This is Ryan Pelton, and today I'm privileged to have Matthew Quinn on the show. And Matthew is a fellow prolific writer, and uh, really excited to have him on the show. He hails from Marietta, Georgia, and has had an interesting life, done a lot of cool things, written a lot of books. So why don't you say hello, Matthew, and tell us a little about yourself. Oh, hey. Um, I started out my career in newspaper journalism, but 
newspapers are kind of in a tailspin these days. So I went back to school and became a um, high school history teacher. And so I teach AP World and AP Microeconomics. And I have one novel available, The Thing in the Woods. And next year, I'll have a second novel through Dead Eye Press called Little People, Big Guns available as well. Well, great. So tell us a little bit about just the the last novel and the one coming out. What, uh, what genre are those in? Um, the Thing in the Woods is kind of Lovecraftian horror and Little People, Big Guns, I would call them horror comedy or bizarro. Okay. Well, great. Well, so why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself, uh, kind of background, upbringing, what, what kind of drew you into horror, uh, bizarro, kind of the, the stuff you write? What, what was kind of been some of your influences growing up and, and how'd you end up here? Well, I always wanted to be a writer because I was probably in preschool. I always liked uh, monsters and scary things. Like, I remember wanting to see Arachnophobia and Gremlins 2 and not being allowed to. Probably a good idea. And, and my first publication was in um, the very early 2007, a short story called I Am the Wendigo, which I ended up republishing on Amazon through KDP. And I noticed you have a lot of lot of uh, work up on your Amazon page. Are most of those short stories? Uh, yeah, they're the short stories available individually or as part of collections. Okay. Well, great. So, so take us back a little bit, kind of your journey of writing. So you wanted to start at uh, when you're in preschool, and um, you know, somewhere probably along the line, like most writers, you know, creative work kind of gets beat out of you, or it's not practical, or you got to pay bills. So you, you know, you can't be a writer. You got to do something, you know important and uh, go to school. Um, but tell me a little bit, you know, did you keep on writing kind of through, you know, grade school, high school, college? I mean, tell me a little bit when you uh, were writing these short stories. Well, um, the, my first um, attempt to submit to a professional publication was to the magazine of fantasy and science fiction in some in summer of 2001. Uh, the rejection slip was dated September 11th, 2001. That was um, pretty inauspicious. And so, and then what, what, ha, what happened after that? I mean, did you just say, okay, um, I need to go do something else or go to the newspaper? Well, I figured I always needed a day job and journalism would, was, would have been the perfect thing because it's writing, making your working, sorry, you're, you're, we're making a living writing already. So it's just using the same muscles in a different fashion. Now, did you, um, did you, it looked like in your bio, did you um, start doing journalism for quite a few years? Uh, yeah, I was a reporter for the Griffin Daily News for about three and a half years. I was the editor of the Johns Creek Herald for about a year and a half. Uh, those are towns in around Atlanta. And then I was the associate editor of the current hub for a year or two and then became a teacher. Okay. I remember years, uh, probably over a year and a half ago, maybe two now, I had a, a fellow journalist on who she doesn't do that anymore but she writes like two books a month and just very prolific and so tell me a little about I, she had mentioned just being a journalist and how it really forces you how to how to write kind of quickly write lean i mean did you find that taking your journalism you know experience into the writing room really helpful uh yeah i mean i toward the end of my time at the griffin daily news griffin daily news i got to the point i was writing um, 10 to 12 stories per week in about 35 to 36 hours. So you get into a groove, you get, you learn how to write quickly and write well. 
And I wasn't deliberately copying that, but these habits kind of transfer, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember uh, Michael Connolly that writes the you know uh, crime thrillers. He, I think he was a journalist for the in Florida and LA, and said that that was just a really helpful tool that he had because he could write very clean copy uh, quickly. And uh, you know, that, I think that helps as a writer. I know when I was writing my first novels, that that was the hardest thing was when you finished, you, you, you know, you, you had this big mess that wasn't very good and not very clean. And, and yet learning over the years that sometimes having a little cleaner manuscript for the first time through or the first couple times through really helps kind of get your work out and uh, get it cleaned up. True. Although it's better to have, uh, I guess, a messy man, messy first draft than no draft at all. <laughs> That's very true. Very true. So, so talk a little bit about, um, you know, if somebody, you know, is looking at your work or, you know, let's take, for example, your uh, The Thing in the Woods book, kind of Lovecraftian, kind of horror stuff. Um, you know, what, what are they going to get from a, from a Matthew Quinn, Quinn book? What, what, what do people tell you is, is good about the book and kind of feedback from, from your stories? Um, uh, fast moving, very vivid, lots of color. Um, especially, I'm, I'm not sure how much comedy or where it went a thing in the woods, but little people, big guns is definitely, um, funny. The editor of dead eye thinks it's hilarious. Now, was that something you were going for or was it just something that kind of came out from just the characters and your personality or, I mean, was it very intentional when you're writing that? No, the little people, big guns. Yes, it was definitely supposed to be funny. Um, with Thing in the Woods, I can't, I can't remember how much humor I, I put into it, although I def, I'm finishing up the sequel now. I want to run through my writing group and have the publisher by the end of September, and I do throw in some you know, smart aleck lines, like the character sees another monster of the same type as the critter from the Thing in the Woods, and the line is, and bigger was definitely not better. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, comedy is an interesting, interesting thing. I mean, when you think about, I had a, a woman on who uh, was kind of a comedy, wrote like comedic mystery type type stories, kind of sat, satirical stuff. And she said it was kind of hard because it's, you know, certain humor doesn't work with certain people or, you know, how do you kind of think through that? Like, you know, what, what, what makes it funny or what, is it just what's funny to you or what you think people, is it sarcasm? Is it, you know, when you think humor, what, what, what is it exactly that makes it, makes it funny? Um, I'm not sure if I answer that question um, consciously, but, you know, it depends on the character's voice. Like, for example, um, the character of James Daly, the protagonist of The Thing in the Woods and the sequel that I'm finished, that's tentatively called The Atlanta Incursion, is kind of a smart aleck. Mm-hmm. So that very dry, sarcastic snark that's there. And my own sense of humor revolves around puns and wordplay. So if I can work that in there, so much the better. So, so take us back a little bit. Um, so you're doing journalism. You're, you know, building that muscle. It sounds like you've been writing on and off for, you know, majority of your of your life. So when you when you sat down to, we'll just use, you know, the thing in the woods longer work uh you know what was kind of your process of actually getting you know the words on the page i mean did you use an outline did you have characters in mind you just go for it to talk well, us through um, a little bit 
Well, the thing in the woods only exists because of one decision. I went to, I was home visiting my parents from college, and I went to Borders one night on a whim. I started reading a Call of Cthulhu manual, and they had a plot, like a game scenario, where the idea is that what happens when rural, degenerate, inbred land where people worship horrors from beyond gets turned into a suburb. So that's when the wheels started going. The phrase they used was supernatural love canal, that town in New York where they built a neighborhood on top of a toxic waste dump. So the habit I learned from writing group is I committed to have a chapter available for a writing group meeting before I wrote it. So that means I had a deadline to get that chapter out. So that if you're looking for lessons on being prolific, that's how I get a lot of stuff done fast, is I commit to having a chapter, whether the one's ready or not, so it will be ready in time. Hmm. So it's kind of the kind of forced deadline, is what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, that's really helpful. I, I think a lot of people don't, you know, if you're writing for, it sounds like you've been writing for publishers too, that, you know, they set the deadline sometimes, but then, you know, as, as indie published or self-published, you know, you, it's really good to, you know, set your own deadline so that you have something to work toward. Because then if you don't, then you're just kind of floating around and, well, if I get to it, if I don't, you know, maybe next year, who, who knows? No, that's really good. I, I like that. So, you know, when you have kind of the idea, the little nugget of, of idea for the plot, you know, did you out, outline it out? Did you just write that first chapter and say, okay, we'll just see what comes after this? What was kind of the process after that? Yeah, I outline it. I outline a lot. I mean, sometimes things pop up um, that I didn't anticipate, but generally speaking, things don't change a whole lot from the outline to the page. Oh, here's something else I learned about how to make oneself write. I used to write a lot of fan fiction, and getting reviews is always a nice ego boost. So I would that's incentive to write to get more reviews. Because you post a chapter... And then soon the reviews start coming. Hmm. That's good. That's good. So, um, so take us keep keep going a little further on that. So, how many you know how many times through did you write just a messy first draft and then a rewrite or a couple drafts or what, what was kind of well, the, the my, process? my drafting procedure is I finish the chapter, I print it and mark it up with a pen and revise it. So that's draft one and draft two. Then goes to the writing group then revise based on their issues, that's draft three. And then once the whole thing is done, then I print the whole thing and go through it, and that's draft four. And then depending on the project, like I have a kind of a steampunk, I'd call it Dark Tower meets Game of Thrones story that I, that's currently under consideration by one of the big military sci-fi presses. And uh, that one, I send it, it gets rejected, I fiddle with it, send it out again, and so on and so forth. So I'm not sure what draft it's on at that point, but the first draft I sent to publication was like 102,000 words, and now it's at 89,000 words. Just I kept tightening it every time, not every time or almost every time I sent it out. So, yeah, so by the time you're you're done, well, I guess in that, in that scenario, it's a little different. But, you know, so by, by the time you actually get a very, you know, almost final draft, you, it's had many, many passes. Is that was it fair to say? Yeah, and with writing groups, had many eyes on it. And so sometimes, and so that tends to be very helpful because, you know, you very often can't see the flaws in your own work. Mm-hmm. That's very true. 
So does your when does you know do you have an editor or someone that you send it to to kind of do the the final you know as far as spelling grammar you know continuity all that stuff? And not not, not for, for those because, because I tend, tend to write very clean to start with, mm-hmm. and also I am really picky about things like continuity. So, so for example, example, I wrote kind of this jokey uh, TV show for an internet forum I was on, and it has a T-Zone TV tropes page. And so my, um, so the, they, under the trope of continuity porn, they listed me because I was very good at making sure stuff didn't contradict and everything connected. Mm-hmm. That's good. Is that, you know, is that a skill that you, that you picked up from journalism? I mean, just as far as writing so many stories and making sure they, they flowed and didn't contradict themselves? I'm not really sure because with journalism, if you're contradicting yourself, something has gone wrong because you're supposed to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. That's good. So, um, so tell us a little bit about. So you you have you know some short stories, a novel, a couple novels you're working on. You know anything as far as what does it look like for you? You know I was asked this question to, to writers is you know as far as marketing, sharing your work, talking about your work. What does that look like uh, for you as far as getting your work out into the world and sharing it with others? Well. Um... For Thing in the Woods, I wrote a bunch of guest blog posts on a blog with, for bloggers I know from people I know in real life or through online groups. And I set up a lot of events. Like I look for conventions to go and sell books at. Uh, and uh, like this coming weekend, I'm going to sell book, going and be selling some books at the a table at the Half Price Books Indicator. I had for all you writers out there, half price books is a nationwide chain. And if you're willing to bring your own books and your own square reader, they'll um, let you sell there. You just got to talk to the manager. That's a great idea. And, and the week, this is not, next, not, not this coming weekend, um, 25th of August, but the Labor Day weekend, I'm going to be making a bunch of appearances at the Cater Book Festival. Great. Yeah, I remember the Atlanta Writers Club, so they had a booth, and I um, arranged to have a book signing with Posman Books. They're in a, a small bookstore chain that has most of most their bookstores are in New York, but one in Atlanta, and they contacted me to ask me to sell books at their tent as well. So it's a good idea to make connections and keep up, keep up with them. No, that's really a great idea. I think, you know, I'm, I'm hearing that more and more is, is, you know, even though we're the day of the internet and social media, that, that face-to-face conferences, selling books at bookstores, you know, um, you know, book by book is actually a really great way to get kind of your work out, out there and get, get noticed and, and yeah, sell more books. No, I think that, those are great ideas. And those are all things you can do. I think sometimes we just have to go and ask, you know, we have a, yeah, app- I have, like, like I go, when I, I bring my notebook to events where I'm at and I get mailing, I get them. Um, email addresses for my MailChimp mailing list. So I, got, so I got a bunch from the Half Price Books, from that Comic-Con, from a gun show I was selling books at. Um, yeah, a lot of different places. So tell me a little bit about your, your last con. Um, I just interviewed CJ, CJ Johnson. You guys shared a table at a Atlanta conference. Uh, talk about that. What was your experience like that? Did you sell some books? Um, what did you learn oh. from that conference? Well, split the table because I was examining my profit margins. I grossed about $600. My profit was close to between 150 and 200 But 
my my, my table cost is one hundred twenty five dollars instead of two fifty because I split the table. So splitting a table with one author, maybe even two, that's a good way to cut costs because that's your single biggest event expense is the table vendor fee. And I one way I got people to come to the table is I basically use bookmarks as bait. I'd like, hey, would you like this bookmark? And they come get the bookmark, and then I start talking up the book. And so I sold over 50 books. I'm 46 copies of The Thing in the Woods, and my last six copies of uh, The Best of Heroic Fantasy Quarterly Volume 2, which contains uh, my uh, historical Viking nut story of Nikor, which is kind of like the historical Beowulf. Hmm, that's great. That sounds like you had a, had a good time and, and sold some books. Oh, yeah. I made you know, three days and I made quite a bit of money. And that was not long after I had suffered a minor spinal injury. So I was sitting at the table wearing a back brace. Oh, wow. Maybe they felt sorry for you. Oh, the worst of worst. So so tell me a little bit how, as far as getting those books um, out as far as print. Obviously, they're print. Um I'm assuming. Uh, did you go through CreateSpace? What did you What did you do to actually get the books in your hands to, to sell? Digital them? Fiction Publishing, which published The Thing in the Woods, is a small press that uses Amazon KDP for eBooks mm-hmm. and CreateSpace. Okay. For the print books, sorry, a little late, and I'm yawning. And um, and uh, the people with the Heroic Fantasy Quarterly, they do CreateSpace books as well. So I just messaged the publisher ask them to order some books for me and reimburse them through PayPal. Well, great. Yeah. I think that's one of the beauties of print on demand is, uh, you know, they're not that expensive either. A wholesale there, you know, can be a couple bucks a book sometimes depending on how big they are. But, uh, no, that's great. Yeah. I think that's, um, you know, I, I, I've written a couple of kids books too. And a lot of kids books, you know, you obviously you're selling to, to families and other people, not kids because they don't have money. Um, but to have them in print, to have them available, to meet people face to face, and and do that is, is actually one of the, the best ways to sell uh, kids books. And so we have so many tools at our disposal. So so tell me a little bit, Matthew. So you're kind of you know you write kind of different genres and and you know it sounds like horror and some comedic horror and things. What what's kind of your your future goals? I mean, what do you what do you hope to do? Do you want to do more novels? Do you want to write in different genres? What what's kind of your hope for your writing uh, journey? Um, more novels, yeah, because that's where the money is. And I, I thought about putting out Little People Big Guns under a pseudonym, but then I thought about it. My hook, if you will, is I can write anything in the sci-fi, fantasy, horror vein. Like, um, like let's see, my first like publication was I Am the Wendigo. That's a straight monster horror novel. There's um, one story I wrote called Illegal Alien, where it's kind of a science fit. Yeah, it's a, I, again, that's puns again for you, but that's sci-fi. I wrote two novellas set at Lindsay Broker's um, Fallen Empire Universe, so that's space opera. Um, the Beast of the Bosphorus and The Thing in the Woods are Lovecraft. And so you're you're just kind of saying, you know, your author brand, if you want to say that, is just, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a genre hopper or science fiction, fantasy horror. Is that kind of kind of fair to say? Yeah, although sometimes your fans don't always follow you around. Like, I read a lot of Harry Potter fan fiction starting out, 
And then I wrote a, the Reve a Revenge of the Fallen reboot, just because I saw the Transformers Revenge of the Fallen and thought, I could write a much better story. And only a few people followed me from Harry Potter to Transformers, and I'm not sure how many even followed me into my original stuff at all. Yeah, that's always the, the challenge, right? Uh, you know, if you write in different genres, is you know, some just like you for you and your stories regardless, and then other times it's, you know, I only like sci-fi or fantasy or, you know, horror or whatever it is. Um, so tell us, Matthew, a little bit, you know, I ask this question almost every guest, is any recommended um, tools when it comes to software or books or, you know, related to writing and publishing, related to helping you produce your books, um, anything that you, you recommend that would help a lot of writers? Um, beats me. I mean, I always just write in Word. Any, um, although I, yeah, although I have heard of a lot of people writing um, in Scrivener, mm -hmm. which has outlining functions built into it or something. I know very little about Scrivener. I mean, mm -hmm. my attitude is if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Any, any like book recommendations related to, you know, writing, publishing, um, craft, anything that, uh, that has really helped you along the way? Hmm. I have a lot of how to write books. I just can't think of any off the top of my head. Um, shoot. I'm at my, um, I'm at my, it's on the couch, but I'm yeah, interviewing here and my bookshelf is not far away, but at the same time I re-injured my back last weekend so moving around is just delightful <laughs> well yeah don't, so, don't worry about it i want to want you to injure yourself <laughs> uh, the things the suffering i'll do for my art um well do research plenty of research make sure you get it right so that involves researching your subject matter like for um although the thing in the woods i actually did it's a bit of good bit of youtube like, a big plot of the thing in the woods involves um, Claymore directional mines. Like, they're kind of like a brick of plastic explosives with ball bearings. You point toward the enemy like a giant shotgun. So there's video of Claymores being set off and different models of guns being fired. So you, you watch some of those just to kind of get that, what, what that was like and how to describe it and things like that? Yeah. That's um, great. Yeah, Stephen King's on writing is good. Mm -hmm. Like he said, revising is cutting 10%. I mean, obviously that doesn't apply to every single scenario, but pretty much all of my projects have shrunk in the revising. Mm -hmm. Now, when you when you shrink it down, what, what exactly are you, you cutting out? Uh, I don't really cut chunk, large chunks. I just tighten up the words. Mm -hmm. Like that gets cut a lot. That's something I learned from being a newspaper reporter. Mm -hmm. Although when I was bringing the Atlanta incursion through writing group, um, some of them point out there were some areas where that should have stayed. Mm -hmm. But that is one of those words that can almost always be cut, same as being. That's something I learned from, from my editor of the um, John's Creek Herald. He wrote it like the word being either. So it's more the it's not necessarily the big ideas of the story. It's more like the filler words. Uh, it kind of gives a little better reading experience, if you want to say it that way. Yeah, and get rid of the passive voice. Mm -hmm. Like was, and 
I like how King talks about, you know, adverbs, trying to be careful with your adverbs, all the L-Y words. Yeah, can... adverbs. And I learned from James R. Tuck. He's a, he wrote a, a book series called Deacon Chalk, a cult bounty hunter. And under a pseudonym, he has a Lovecraftian series out. And he said there's one way to cut words to get rid of said. Because you can, like, figure out the tone of voice, like, so-and-so glared at so-and-so, and then you put what they said in quotes but don't have a dialogue tag. You can figure out what it sounds like based on the context. Like, they're angry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, also, just, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and also adverbs. Like, instead of saying, he said angrily, you know, he snarled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I think Stephen King's a master at, is, is he doesn't use a lot of the said you know and, and really uses a description to kind of give you a feel for what's actually going on rather than that's kind of the old you know the old pulpy stuff you know they always had tons of adverbs and description and uh probably words we we wouldn't even use today like squamous <laughs> well hey matthew so we have a lot of you know kind of beginning writers you know haven't written a whole lot of stuff or maybe trying to get their first book in the world or you know just writing their, their first things and, you know, what would be just some, some advice, some tips, you know, just someone kind of starting out that maybe you, you would offer encouragement to them as far as, you know, just beginning the road of, of writing. What, what would you tell them? Now find a writing group like critters.org. That's all online. In-person ones are better, like um, meetup.com. I'm in one currently and I was in another group as well. Those are both through meetup. What was the other one? Critter, Critter, you said? Yeah, critters.org. So tell us uh, just a little bit what, you know, in those groups, what what does like a typical meeting look like? uh, Well, everyone brings something to critique. You take turns going through it. And then maybe afterward you go to lunch or something. It's a good way to make friends, too, because writing is fairly solitary, and that sometimes cannot be healthy. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, it's very true. I think I think that's people forget that. I just interviewed someone uh, recently, and she was talking about just this year. She's finally kind of gotten into some writing groups, and you know, got out in the world. And and yeah, it can be kind of lonely, and and you know, you just kind of you and your computer, or you know, however you write. And uh, yeah, I think it's really healthy to to you know throw ideas off each other too, and it helps you get better. I think it's also good when you look at other people's work too. It it kind of helps you become a better writer too, and and you know, see the errors that people make or the good things they do and, and even implement that into your own own writing. Yeah, plus other people have good ideas. Like in Melon Heads, I have a group of an evil fraternity called Pi Iota Gamma. Get it? <laughs> and in uh, Little People Big Guns, there's an evil animal rights group called uh, the Coalition for Radical Animal Protection. <laughs> And, and I, I admit I got, got that from Catherine Mankiller. That's the, her shooter, not the plume. She runs the writing group. So you can, sometimes you can just straight up get ideas from other people. Hmm. Yeah, any other um, advice? So writing groups, anything else you'd want to say to an aspiring writer? Uh, write every day, even if it's just a little. You know, the... the a thing on ocean starts with one raindrop, you know. I think there's a Chinese proverb for that. 
That's great. What is your what is your daily writing look like, or, or do you have like a daily word count or daily kind of habit? Is it all over the place or just? It's, it's all, all over the place. place. Like, like I, I was this past, past weekend, weekend, I went on a trip to New York, and, and I wrote some stuff on a notebook on the plane, and then I got to my friend's apartment, and I got my laptop out while he was still asleep, and um, wrote transcribed that onto the actual Word document. Also, always back up everything, like on a flash drive or a cloud, like Google Drive, because you never know if a hardware failure might cost you. Mm-hmm. Yep, I've learned that the hard way. <laughs> well, that's great. Well, hey, Matthew, so before uh, we, we say goodnight, if you want to say it that way, um, tell us a little bit where can people find you, and then uh, tell us again kind of what you have coming out in the near future. Okay, um, you can find all my stuff on Amazon, Matthew W. Quinn. Look for the photo of the uh, dark-haired young man in the Hawaiian shirt. I have an incentive program in my high school called Quinn Bucks, where it's like dollar bills with my face on them. That's my Amazon author photo. <laughs> Love it. And I have my blog, um, The World According to Quinn, according to Quinn.com. My Twitter feed, Matthew W. Quinn. Um, yeah, I'm also a regular regular member of the film podcast, Myopia, Defend Your Childhood. Great. So I do, a lot, I do a lot of stuff. Great, I'll put that all, all in the show notes. And then tell, tell us again what kind of what you have coming out soon and, and, and uh, so people can go out and, and find your books. Yeah, well... The Thing in the Woods is out right now. That's my Lovecraftian horror novel. I also have a bunch of short stories and a bunch of collections through digital fiction publishing. Or a standalone ebooks. And then do you, do you have like a, a news... If people go to your website, do you have like a newsletter people can... Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the MailChimp newsletter sign-up link... That's on my Twitter page. It's pinned to the top of the, of the feed. Okay. And my newsletter, you get exclusive stuff. Like, like I have, um, for the thing in the woods, I have like a neighborhood in Atlanta that James Daly lived in before his family moved to the small town Eddington. Or there's exclusively, exclusive of Blade Runner 2049 review in one of my older newsletters. Well, great. Sounds like you're everywhere. You're not hard to find. Well, hey, Matthew, this has been real great. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing about your story and your stories and your experiences. And uh, you helped a lot of people today. So thanks for uh, coming on the show. Well, thanks for interviewing me. Well, there you have it. Prolific writer nation, Matthew W. Quinn. Thank you so much, Matthew, for coming on the show. And I, I love Matthew's story. I, I love, you know, the journalist who's thinking this is, you know, how I'm going to get into writing and it doesn't go as planned, becomes a teacher, but it continues to write, continues to grind, continues to, to write great stories and getting his work out in the world, getting published. And I was so inspired. I'd like to share this part. I was so inspired by our conversation about selling books in person that I decided to take his advice. And, uh, and so I will keep you updated how, the, how this goes, but I have been in contact with half price books. And I, I want to make this really actionable for us today. Uh, if you want to get your books out in the world, it doesn't have to just be eBooks, but 
get those print books made, get some copies from your publisher, you know, 10, 20, 30, you know, it shouldn't cost you that much. They may even do it for free and uh, take a stack and call up half price books. We have six or seven in our city. And so I did that. I called them up, actually went into the store and said, Hey, I'm an author. I got some books. Can I do a, you know, sell some books and do an author signing? And, uh, and they were totally excited about it. And so I got, uh, my chance to, sell some books in person, half price books. And so go into your city, wherever you are, look for half price books. You probably heard of them, independent booksellers. They probably more than happy to have a, have an author day, have a signing, bring some of your books, make a few bucks, get your name out there. And, uh, and so I, I'll let you know how that goes. Uh, it probably won't be for a couple more months, but uh, I'm excited to do that. And, uh, so thank you, my Matthew Quinn for the advice. Thank you, Matthew, for all your insights, sharing your story, coming on the show. Um, you're going to help a ton of writers. So thank you for that. And, uh, before you go, uh, two things, one, remember that survey. If you would take two minutes to take that survey, I'd love to have your feedback and we can make this show even better and offer even better resources and serve our writing community even better. Um, I'll put that in the show notes. And then secondly, if you like this show, even if you don't like this show, just give an honest review, iTunes, a rating or review, wherever you listen to the Stitcher, Google play, Spotify, whatever, but iTunes is usually the best. Most people listen on iTunes. It really helps us get the show out into the world. And I really thank everyone who has left a review, everyone who has left a rating. It's such an honor and a blessing to um, hear all the great feedback and the emails and the questions. And, uh, and also if, if there's someone I'm missing and I need to interview and I need to get on the show, let me know. I'd love to interview them. Uh, there's so many great authors in the world and um, I'd love to, to, you know, stalk them, track them down, hunt them down and uh, bring them on the show uh, against their will. That's my, my job. Uh, so thank you everyone for listening to the prolific writer. This is Ryan J. Pelton. And I just have one more thing to say is go get those words on the page. No, seriously, go get, go get words on the page. It's time. Okay. Stop. Stop looking at Facebook. Stop looking at Twitter. Okay. You don't need to watch more YouTube videos. Look seriously. Okay. Go get words on the page. I'll talk to you real, real soon. Every person's story has something to teach us, how others view life, how obstacles are overcome, how joy is felt, how fears are faced, how love is expressed. The Matters of Faith podcast explores individual stories of people's lives and how faith plays a part. It may not be your story, but it may help shape yours. The Matters of Faith podcast with Jay Wilburn is on Project Entertainment Network. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Project Entertainment Network. 